time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. I use the term don't play not to make a mistake. You know, don't, don't tackle being afraid to miss the tackle. Be more attacking. I felt like that's that's what our problems were. You know, we were we weren't. Uh, I mean, go get them. Go get them. You know, uh, coming from because so come on. That was that was about tackling, right? Right. But when I heard that quote, the first thing I thought of was, "Yeah, go get them. Yeah, don't go get them. Don't bump. Don't punt twice late <laughs> yeah. in the fourth quarter." What the hell, man? So, your team has three wins on the season. You're not going anywhere. What's your problem? All right. We're going to get into that in a second. <sighs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Gold Faithful. Big show today. we got a couple guests. Chris Biederman, Editor-in-Chief, Niners Digest, covering the 49ers for Scout.com. Talk about uh, what's going on in Ninerville. Also, Edward Cole, reporter for NBC Sports Radio in Phoenix, as we look ahead at the end of the show toward the Arizona Cardinals coming to Levi's Stadium. Yeah, both men making their second appearance on the Gold Faithful podcast. Great to have both of them back. Let's get back to the Tom Sula okay. comments. Come on, you're down two scores. He, and he kept stressing that, like, well, we were down two scores. We didn't want to get down three scores. But you're down two <laughs> scores. You gotta. You can't give him the ball back. He's, he's coaching as if it was the 2011, 2012 right. version of the 49ers, where you know you're going to get a stop. Right. You're gonna where get you have this field position. Yeah. Solid defense, and you have an offense that can move the ball. I mean, they do have an offense that can move the ball a little bit, but I mean, Seattle was moving the ball at will. Right. It was those first three drives. I was getting angry. You know, the fan part of me was coming out like, this is Seattle, stop them, do something, they, sack that damn Wilson. W- one of the things they hadn't done is really quit, and they, they came out so flat. It was like, it, it, after the first <sighs> quarter, I was thinking, is this it? This team's given up, it's done, Yeah, season over. Because for us, season might be over at a different point than in the in the players' minds. You know, of they course. never want to lose. The coaches are coaching to win, players are playing to win right. every single week. But they didn't look like that at the beginning of that game. No, it came out and it was that super predictable play calling again, run run pass. You know, in the first yep. the first play it's like, "Okay, yeah, who didn't know that that was coming?" And then and then they came out, run, play action, deep pass, you know? Right. And it's like I loved seeing the deep pass that early. That was nice to see, but at the same time, you know, you don't they don't get their first first down until their eighth play from scrimmage, you know, not counting the punts. And it's like 2 minutes left in the first quarter. It's just try something. You know, get out there, try something new. Run, run, pass? Come on. Tackling, man. Ugh. That was... I wrote on here, worst tackling I've ever seen. It was. Ever. For the it 49ers? the worst. Well, literally, than we've ever seen since before we were both born, I think, was the last time they really? allowed a 200-yard rusher. Ugh. Pre-Bill Walsh, 1978 was the last and time. And it wasn't just Rawls. I mean, Rawls looked like a superstar. He looked great, and it was, you know, Wilson. I put on here, Wilson looks like a snake. Because he did, he just he was so elusive, and he just yeah, he's got you know, those quick feet. So it yeah. moves around in the pocket, and you know it's, it's been going on all season long where they, they they do get pressure. Maybe it's from one side, and mm-hmm. they don't they have a lot of slow people. Yeah, I feel like along we're the line, broken on the field, record and there. With you, that. you can't run and chase anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all year. We just keep saying that, and Wilson, you know, did it again, just like he did in round one of of Niners Seahawks. It's it's really frustrating to watch them play. And then, you know, then they they score right before the half, and it's like, all right, things looking good here. They come out, and then they stall in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Then they stall inside the 10, and it's like field goal, field goal. I mean, it could have been a very different game. you got to get seven there. You do. Absolutely. You can't get threes every time. And they were still down only two scores for a, for a lot of the end of that game. Right. And you, yeah, you, 
if you're going to lose, go out swinging, go man. Tom Sula just said it, but he doesn't coach that way. Like, well, we put it with five minutes left, and we still had three timeouts, and we were two scores. We don't want to make it three scores. Okay, but then you got the ball back, and then you had three minutes left, three-plus minutes, and then you punt it again. Yeah, you're on your own 11. I get it. It's Fourth not always going to be the most perfect, obvious, four like four-down situation. It's not always going to no. be fourth and one inch or fourth and a foot you're, you're gonna have a fourth and team. three you're gonna have a fourth and six maybe right. that you have to go for you just and, do yeah you, you you're down two scores with three minutes to play yeah what's the difference between two scores and three scores at that point because it wasn't just two scores it was two scores and two two-point conversions like it, it was it was a long ways off and and uh, when you know the way Rawls is running the ball and the way your team was tackling on that day yeah you there's a better chance that they are able to, if not score, at least prolong a drive and really just sure. keep you play keep away. Right. You know, we're bashing the 49ers, and for good reason. You know, they <laughs> they they did not look good. But I just want to focus for one minute here. I mean, we maybe we could talk about it for ten minutes because sure, how much bad football we've watched this year when we're talking about uh, Colin Kaepernick and the way he. You know, how bad he was with his accuracy and how bad he was with his footwork and bad, bad, bad. Let's talk about how good Blaine Gabbert was. Just for a minute here. He wasn't great, but here are the things that I loved about Blaine Gabbert in this game, which we've missed a lot watching Colin Kaepernick this season. Again, Colin Kaepernick of old was a much different quarterback than he was this year. Gabbert took shots down the field, something we very rarely saw with Kaepernick because he was afraid of throwing an interception. That was very clear. The dump-off pass to the running back. Drone had eight catches out of the backfield. Yeah. That's just something you never saw with Quick Kaepernick. decisions, too. Quick decisions, like so not open, boom, dump it off. He's hitting the running back while they're still in their route. When, right. when Colin the- Kaepernick, he, he's, I mean, and you, maybe he's trying to make a big play happen, so he's trying to buy time exactly. and looking down the field. But by that time, no, everyone's route is exhausted, right? So a guy's standing there, what do I do now? And you said it there. He was like, he, he used to wait for the receiver to get open, whereas right. Gabbert constantly hitting guys as they're coming out of their break. Knowing that, okay, this is where that receiver is going to be. I see where the defensive back is. I'm going to throw it there, and he's going to make a play. And, you know, he wasn't always that accurate. He definitely overthrew some balls. He underthrew some balls. It wasn't perfect, but these are things that I really loved watching. Just two sacks. You know, that's another thing. I mean, that's that's a lot of that's on the offensive line as well. But like you said, quick decisions. It's not there. You know, run, run. Throw the, dump the ball off. And when he is running, when he's scrambling outside the pocket, his head's up. He's looking down the field. He's looking for open guys. And he made a lot of passes on the run as well, which I oh, I just... Absolutely. Playing with confidence, too. That's that's so important. It really is. And, it, you know, it's hard to say this out loud, and it hurts me a little bit, but I like watching Gabbert more than I liked watching Kaepernick. And it, oh, there's no question. It's just it's such a different brand of football. In this game, on the road in Seattle... They're in Gabbert it. looked in it. so much better than Cap did at home against Seattle earlier yeah. in the season. Yeah. And forget and, about the Cardinals game. Well, and just how they came back, too. I mean, three opening possessions for Seattle down. I don't even know if they had a negative play at all during that time. Three touchdowns, you know, just down the field. And it felt like, oh, wow. Okay. I even told my wife, I'm like, all right, we were planning on going out of town. I'm like, all right, we could just maybe record the rest of this game. Uh, let me <laughs> right. just see how they do here to end the half. And then they got the touchdowns. Like, okay, all right, all right. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to watch it live. It could have gone much worse than it did, so they, they were able to salvage a little bit out of that game. Um, Armstead and Tart both making some plays. Tart had and, some big hits. And also missing a lot of plays. Yeah. Armstead, he still got a really good grade. I think he was positive 3.3 from uh, Pro Football Focus. Wrap up. But, yeah, they've, they, ha- they both missed tackles yeah. for loss, man. Rawls, 
and Russell Wilson both sneaked out of their mm-hmm. hands. Snake is a great way for it. Getting yeah. out of their hands. Rawls thirty yard run after Tart missed him in the backfield, had him right. down for a loss. Oh yeah. And it wasn't just it wasn't just them, you know, it was everybody. You know, just not being able to to, to grab onto a guy. I mean Oh, there was another. Uh, Eric Reed also had some really big hits in this game. Like there was a lot of big hitting going on, but not a lot of tackling, not a lot of hit and wrap and bring to the ground. It was like, oh, boom, oh, and you're still up, and Absolutely. now you're getting five or six more yards. Okay, that sucked. Lack of confidence, lack of energy on defense. Really, you hadn't seen a lot of that. Um, and God, they have played so bad on the road. If we're mm-hmm. looking at the numbers here, it was so they're three and two at home. Yeah, and they're zero and five on the road. That's bad. Uh, points allowed by that defense, 76 points allowed in the five home games, mm-hmm. 176 points allowed oh. on those five road games. Well, don't they have like a negative 113-point differential? I mean, it's something yes. really bad yes, like that. It's oh, it's it's hard to watch. It is. It is. But, but at times, you get the glimpse. You're like, okay, yeah, that's right. Look at that three and out right there by the defense. That's the defense we know. Or, oh, look, they just... Took the ball down the field, completed some passes down the field. Drone, you know, he only averaged 3.1 yards a carry, but he was running hard, and so it was setting up the play action, which is super important to this 49er offense. That being said— oh, one more positive. Oh, okay. I was about to go negative. Let's keep it positive. Vance McDonald did yeah, something. he did. He caught a touchdown. Wow. Look at that. I forgot that guy was even on the roster. hey oh. <laughs> <laughs> Big number 8-9 come into play after Vernon Davis left town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back to the negative. Yeah, okay. <laughs> See, <laughs> I mentioned the Seahawks being able to just move the ball at will, right, on those first three possessions. If you go back to our last show, we mentioned about you know Pro Football Focus rating them as the worst offensive line in the league, and just the way they manhandled the 49ers. And Glenn Dorsey went out on the first defensive play, right. so that definitely hurt them. That being said, you know I, I want to talk about this with Bitterman when he comes on later, but Eric Armstead got to play a lot. We're going to get to see a lot of him down the stretch. In my opinion, that's an upgrade. Yeah, I agree. Dorsey is not a bad player, but... Armstead brings so much more upside to the game. You see the impact he makes right away. And um, Will Hoyt, after the game, talks a little bit about maybe their gap responsibilities weren't as good. And if you're looking for a reason why he might not have been on the field more earlier in the season, mm-hmm. that might be it. You know, some of the, some of the little things. Yeah. Um, but he makes an impact. I mean, he can beat his man one-on-one. He can get into the backfield. Um, right. He's got to make some more of those tackles. But he had a really good grade. On that game, he's a good pass rusher. Um, he's a strong guy, so he should be better in the run, and I think he will get better as you know he matures as a football player. Yeah, and there's a lot of future there too with him. You know, they spent a pretty high draft pick on him, and you know it's there's no reason he shouldn't play every snap for the rest of the season. Agreed, agreed. I right. mean, maybe you give him the occasional you know right. down yeah. off to, yeah, to he recover his but helmet. And yeah, you have to pull him out for a play or two. Yeah, but, but I, really. I'm I'm very much okay with him being in there. You know, and I'll, I'll save the rest for when Biederman's on because you know I got. Got some talks about, you know, maybe it's time to start calling up some young guys, this and that. It's just ah, it's just painful to watch, man. Fifth straight loss to the Seahawks. This used to be a rivalry. It's really not anymore. It's not a rivalry when one team continues to win. When it's one-sided. Yeah. That's right. Um, I do have a little quote here from from Will Hoyt, some audio mm-hmm. of, of him. You know, he, he knew they played bad, and this is right. what he had to say about it. We played bad. I mean, people, uh, we didn't execute. Nobody. None of us were uh, doing our assignments. You know, and we miss tackles, and we let receivers get open, and I mean, that's that's the result. It's true. It's true. Oh, so he, he told it straight, and he was one of the guilty ones. Mm-hmm. Um, pro Football Focus Tart was a negative four point one on that game. Ooh. Yeah, he got beat in the past game, missed some tackles. So right. Not a good day for the rookie. Will Hoyt was negative three point one. 
and obviously uh, Peters, not surprised. Pierce was negative three point five on the game. Yeah, I mean you and, mentioned Rawls two hundred nine yards, a touchdown. Also caught three forty six and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Defense was not playing well. No, they were they, they were getting gouged for big plays. Uh, they were getting hit slowly and surely with the run as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't really get the feeling, even though the the, the the point differential wasn't out of hand, you never really got the feeling that they could make up that two-score difference, right. even when they were getting a little bit closer. You're exactly right. Because yeah, when they had the opportunities early in the third quarter, early in the second half there, they just couldn't find the end zone. You right. know, it was like, drive, 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 stall. Oh, no, I'm stalled out. It was good to see Bolden running around out there, 5 for 93. However, left with that little hamstring tweak. Yeah. Hopefully it's nothing serious, and then he can, you know, continue to play, especially this weekend against Arizona. You know, tough uh, NFC West battle. You want to play a little bit of spoiler That's right. at this point in the year. You want to go 8 and 8. You're going to need him, and... and- <laughs> <laughs> As they've looked like a different team at home, hopefully yeah. you know, that that's what you look for is for them to sort of flip that around. Look more like they looked against the Atlanta Falcons two sure. weeks ago, three weeks ago. Let's uh, let's bring this up. Let's give let's give Bitterman a call. Okay. All right. He is the editor in chief of Niners Digest, covering the 49ers for Scout.com. He's a contributor to AP Sports, covering pretty much sports throughout the entire Bay Area. It is, of course, Chris Biederman. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You can follow him at Chris Biederman on Twitter. Chris, you had an article on Sunday on Niners Digest about the injury to Glenn Dorsey, playing time for Eric Armstead. I, I feel like it, it may be a good thing. You know, you want to see what your young guys have and. Is there any word who's going to fill that roster spot, uh, the 53-man roster there for Glenn Dorsey? you think maybe Purcell finally gets off the practice squad? No, per- Purcell's been on the active roster. I think uh, if when, when Dorsey goes on IR, which is the indication, is uh, I think Daniel Kilgore will, will come, off the, um, or come off the injured list and uh, after his practice was practice window was open last week so do you think um, Purcell will finally I, I think get to dress right yeah well he dressed uh he dressed sunday in seattle i saw him a few times um, on the field sunday after dorsey went out he can't yeah, miss he that played, yeah he played it and tank Carradine was uh was made inactive for the first time all year so um yeah i would imagine it would be kilgore taking uh dorsey's spot is there anything uh, you mentioned tank Carradine? is it is that like a long-term thing now because they he was sort of already a project they're trying to move from an edge player sort of bump him inside a little bit. Now it sounds like they want to do the opposite with him. Is that more about them saying, oh, we're kind of done with him and he might have to do that somewhere else? Or do they think there's a future with him because now he's obviously inactive? Well, he was a second-round pick, so as long as as he's under contract, I think next year is the last year of his rookie deal. They're going to try to do whatever they can to make good on on the use of that second-round pick. Um, And with Dorsey going down, it, it sounds like, or it would seem like, uh, Carradine would be active. I, I, his biggest problem, and, and if you watch that St. Louis game where Todd Gurley ran for that 71-yard touchdown, the the big thing that happened on that play was Carradine getting pancaked at the line of scrimmage and, and allowing the Rams' offensive line to to get to the second and third levels of their blockers. Um, so it, I think it's you know that the team has basically decided that Carradine is really not a good fit. As a as a five technique and moving inside to defensive tackle after being a defensive end in a four three, so uh, I think they're gonna they're like like they've said like they've talked about doing they're they're gonna stick him back out on that edge and and Sunday Eric Armstead played uh played the edge a few times, um, so M- Eric Mangini likes to get uh, multiple with his fronts and uh, and so with with Dorsey going out I would imagine that expedites the process when when it comes to Carradine coming back and, and playing. 
You know, you mentioned something on Twitter today, actually. Uh, someone asked you about Balky being a bad GM. You responded saying, well, he's in charge of one of the league's worst operations, so it speaks for itself. You know, That being said, who do you feel deserves the most blame right now for this poor season? Well, it's Jed York's team, so I, I think it, it starts and stops with him. Uh, I, I think you could look, you know, I think everyone deserves blame. I mean, Jed, Jed York um, is, is tied to the hip with Trent Balky. Uh, Trent Balky's draft picks haven't have haven't really panned out lately. His certainly his his early ones haven't, maybe with the exception of Eric Reed. Um, so you you could place blame there. Um, York wanting to hire Tom Sula. Uh, Tom Sula wasn't able to really bring in a great coaching staff, particularly offensively. Um, you know you can certainly give Jeep Chris some of the blame. You could give Eric Mangini some of the blame, particularly for some of the defensive struggles early on. Um, you can blame Colin Kaepernick for not playing as well as he used to, and I mean you can you can go up and down and blame everybody. Um, I, I person and I haven't written about it much just because I don't really see the point in blaming the owner. It's kind of like you know moving to moving to the South Pole and complaining about the weather. You know you <laughs> you, you should just buy a jacket. Sure, really, sure. That's how I look at it. Or moving you know, to Santa so. Clara and, and complaining about the weather. Right. Yeah. Sure. I mean he's not selling, so you know so if complain about Jed York and his decisions all you want, it's not going to change. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see who lasts this offseason. I, I just posted a thing, uh, a story about um, Tom Sula and how many games the 49ers will probably need to win for him to come back, or if some of the things that happened last offseason, which looked a lot more like a rebuild than a, than a retool, which Trent Baalke said, um, you know, the 49ers might be building for 2016 anyway, which means that Tom Sula might be safe right. uh, no matter what happens unless things go really bad and, and things go worse than even they projected. So it'll be interesting to see, of course, you know, there are the national reports, um, one from Glazer over the weekend, uh, which might indicate that the 49ers front office is already talking to, to national media again like they did last year. So. Right. Who knows? It could go. It could go a few different ways. You know, Chris, you mentioned his name there, uh, Colin Kaepernick. I want. I have to get your take. You think he's taking his last snap with the 49ers? I do, and and it's not necessarily because of the way he's played or what's happened on the field. Um, I think some of the personal stuff that that's gone on. I'm sure you guys have heard some of the rumors about nice. you know uh, his, his personal life and who he associates himself with and. And how those people tie into you know a certain pass rusher that's no longer on the team that's playing forty miles up the road in Oakland. Indeed. Um, so it, it, from it, from the standpoint of that dynamic, um, I think it's hard for the 49ers to really justify bringing him back, considering how poorly he played. And you know, and he's not the only one to blame for that. I mean, you of you course. look at the offensive line, which goes back to Trent Baalke. Um, you look at the schematic stuff, which which goes back to Jeep Chris and. And Jim Tom Sula, who who was really the one uh, in in concert with Balky, who who made Chris the coordinator. Um, but yeah, I, I think the smart money says Kaepernick's time is done, and and I think the most likely scenario is they find a trade partner for him um, before all that money becomes guaranteed. And and there's uh, I would guess there's going to be some sort of injury settlement um, if he's unable to pass that physical before April first or sooner. If if you know the the free agency and the, and the trade season starts in March. So if, you know, if, if he's not physically ready, they might come to an agreement where, you know, he takes less salary to go to another team. Um, I, I've thought about Denver a little bit. 
if Peyton Manning doesn't come back and, and you look at that defense and if they're able to establish their running game and improve their offensive line, maybe adding Colin Kaepernick, you can, if you're John Elway, you can kind of try to recreate the 2012 49ers. And I think, uh, and I think Gary Kubiak's system would, would definitely be a good one for Kaepernick considering how, how he likes to have his quarterback throwing on the run and doing all those different stretch plays. So, right. Um, yeah, I, I think can't do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would just say I think Kaepernick's time and with the 49ers is done, and I would imagine getting a mid-round pick for him, contingent on restructuring his contract. Yeah, maybe uh, contingent on a lot of things. His production with his new team, sure, I could see that being a deal. Sort of like the Alex Smith trade was like that, where right. yeah, it was. It had to do with how he did and uh, how many games the Chiefs won, mm-hmm. which is an interesting tie-in. It's funny you brought up Peyton Manning because I was thinking about this earlier. How crazy would how how different things would be if Peyton Manning right. would have picked the 49ers when Jim Harbaugh went and met with them and they were trying to sign him? Kaepernick would have been where Brock Osweiler is right now. You know, he would be getting his first shot right. with Peyton Manning hurt, and that would be such an interesting twist. Interesting. Maybe a Super Bowl trophy yeah. in uh, the in Santa Clara. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things. So it's like the butterfly effect. But I don't know, because do they ever get past Green Bay in the playoffs because Kaepernick ran so much in that game? That's that right, was... yeah. I don't think Peyton would have rushed for... Right. Uh, zero. He would have rushed for nothing. <laughs> Any yards <laughs> in that game, but interesting yeah, thing to think about. Yeah, and, and you look at you, you can look at that, and it kind of ties into Blaine Gabbert, right? Because you think about Colin Kaepernick getting all that time to sit behind someone like Peyton Manning, then mm-hmm. you can... Right. Then you can look at what Aaron Rodgers went through when, when he sat, I think it was, what, three years he sat behind yeah. Brett Favre before he came in. And so, you know, Blaine Gabbert taking last year to, to really evaluate things and, and get a fresh slate, and he comes out and, and plays pretty well in his first two games. Um, you know, he he looked like a player that was drafted early in the first round with some of the throws he was making Sunday in Seattle. So maybe a fresh slate taking time off not playing is can be beneficial and maybe that would have happened for Kaepernick. Yeah, having a chance to develop and uh with Gabbard, I mean you come into the league when you're on a terrible team, you're asked to play right away. He's still only twenty six years old. Yeah. Younger than Kaepernick actually. So um yeah it's it's fun to see and, and you can there's so many different directions a career can go, especially with a quarterback, who your coaches are, what team you go to, um when you're asked to step in. So I think a lot of guys get ruined. You saw it with David Carr Sure. Um, I think you saw it with with Gabbert. Alex, you thought you did. Yeah. Alex Smith was almost dead at one point and, mm-hmm. and sort of resurrected his career. The guys come in so young and, and they're just put in a situation that's almost unwinnable. Yeah, and and I would I, I would agree. I think Gabbert is definitely one of those players. He looks like a completely different guy. He does. He does. Um, he's he's stepping up in the pocket. He's he's willing to take hits. He's making throws in tight windows. Um, you know, I, I wasn't around him in Jacksonville, obviously, but you know, he, he seems like a guy that, uh, that started out, you know, growing up, he was, he was kind of the superstar in high school and in college and everyone knew he was going to be an early, an early pick right. early on in his football playing career. And I think he got humbled a little bit with what happened in Jacksonville and then getting traded for a six round pick. It seems like it's really given him a fresh perspective and, uh, and it looks like he's, he's playing a lot better than, than he has before now only two games but uh, we'll see what happens you know Sunday against Arizona and as a member of the media you can appreciate this he's a much better interview right <laughs> than Kaepernick I'm saying much better than Kaepernick. yeah he says more but sometimes you know talking more and using more words isn't it's right that doesn't always translate Kaepernick sometimes offered some pretty good one-liners that would only be a sentence or two Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean Gabbert can be pretty uh, pretty plain when, yeah, so, it, when it comes to his interviews but so you know he's there. 
Yeah, definitely some coach speak, but he but he is a little bit more personable and approachable um, than Kaepernick was. And uh, Kaepernick had, you know, you guys know, made made a habit of of being kind of grumpy with the media sometimes, oh, yes. and uh, and it didn't always reflect well on him or the media for for some of the stuff they wrote or we wrote and how we reacted to it. But um, yeah, I think I think Gabbard is a, is a little bit more friendly and. Uh, and a little bit easier to cover from that standpoint. You know, Chris, you mentioned the Cardinals this weekend, number one in yards on offense, number one in points, their 49ers defense. What what are they going to have to do to try and slow this team down? It's going to start with a pass rush, um, and it's going to and and then it's going to be stopping the run. Uh, I think Chris Johnson has has got to be one of the most interesting stories in the NFL last year. I think watching the game, he's. Well, or one of his games this year, they were talking about how he still has a bullet lodged in his shoulder after getting shot in the offseason, which is just insane. <laughs> um, so, I, it, yeah, and, and look, the 49ers are playing at home, and, and we've seen they're a, a much different team on the ho- at, at home, particularly defensively. So, you know, the, I know on paper the 49ers really don't have a shot, but weird things happen in the, in the NFL, and the Cardinals are coming off two really tough games against the Seahawks and Bengals. And, uh, and and this is setting up as a trap game for them. And, and the 49ers played so bad defensively on Sunday that, that might, they might come out with the edge uh, that they needed to against the Seahawks that they didn't, but they, they might bring that edge Sunday against Arizona akin to, you know, how they played against Atlanta when, when you know, they were without both their starting cornerbacks and, and they really shut down that, that Falcons offense. Right, so absolutely. I'm not totally ruling out the 49ers. I know, you know, it's it's a very unbalanced matchup, but the way they've played at home, um, considering the way they played, I mean, the NFL is is all about, you know, bouncing back, and and there's going to be the 49ers are probably going to be double digit home underdogs, and they're probably going to look at that as as a source of motivation. And you know, I know some of the guys like those black uniforms, Navarro Bowman in particular, so they're going to want to play well in those. So. You know, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying I think the 49ers are going to win the game, but I, I think it might be closer and more competitive than, than what we all might think coming in. Right. You know those gamblers love the home dogs. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I got one more question for you for our Australian listeners uh, and American audience that is just bored to tears on some Sundays. Um, <laughs> is there any specific reason why Jared Hayne can't be active on Sundays, I mean, if he was good enough to be part of the game plan in Week One, you know, why wouldn't one of the few athletes that can give you a spark on offense not get some run down the stretch? Yeah, I, 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 that's a question that I've thought about too, and uh, and I think it comes down to not being able to hold onto the ball consistently. Um, obviously, in, in in training camp, he his his hands were he was nails. He he didn't drop anything. Um, obviously, in the preseason, he looked really good in terms of handling punts and then he, he he has three fumbles two of which are really his fault one of one well the, the thomas mcgahee said the other one was his fault but the lj mccray ran into him i think it was that ravens game and, and he was given the fumble on that but right. um i think it comes down to the to, to his hands and and they're they really if if they're going to be competitive in these games they can't be giving the ball up on, on punts so i think that's that's the first thing the second thing would be his his pickup and and pass protection and uh, and it wasn't great in, in one of those last games before he was inactive, so before he was released and sent down to the practice squad. So I think, um, but yeah, I mean, given the way the 49ers running back situation looks right now, I, I don't know why he wouldn't be up. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Traveris Cadet is. Are, are you really? You know, is he is <laughs> right, he a exactly. lot better than Jared Hayne? 
You, right. you know, is it does he provide a dynamic that Jared Hain doesn't provide? I, I don't know that. I don't see why what you lose having Jared Hain in there over Traveris Cadet. I, I really don't. Well, also, you know, Hain could sell you some jerseys too. You know, bring in a whole other market. What is Cadet going to do for yeah, you? He's still on the the back of buses. We got a, yeah. a tweet from an Australian listener in Brisbane. He's, they're still having Jared Hain and, yeah. and, and advertising games, televised games. And he says he's sticking with, with it too. He's not going back. He he wants to stick with his NFL career. So, Wish I would guess. I would guess that based on the way Jed York runs his team as a business, I think he would be in favor. If the 49ers aren't going to be good over these last few games, I think he would be in favor of Hayne coming back up based on the jersey sales, based on yeah, getting the eyeballs in Australia. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Hayne found his way up on, on the roster if, if they lost another running back yeah, at, at some point. As a fan, I, I'd like to see that as right. well. Just you know? And for a spark on offense, right. they don't have very many Anything. athletes that can they can do make big plays and make chunk and plays. You look at the, uh, the Cardinals who we're going to play next week, and it's – you know, they've got Chris Johnson, they've got Arrington, they've got David Johnson, they've got three or four wide receivers that can break on. it open, and, and the 49ers just don't have that. And you remember that week three game in Arizona, the only reason they scored a, a one touchdown right. was because of Jared Haynes' punt return in that game. Yeah, you're exactly he, right. He drove him back down inside the 20, I think, and that led to Colin Kaepernick's rushing touchdown. So, yeah, I mean... You know, if, if if you trusted him enough to have an, uh, to have him on the opening day roster, I don't really know what he's done aside from fumble a couple punts that would really, you know, make like make you want to just completely end this experiment. And that's essentially what they did by by releasing him and, right. and putting him on the practice squad because anyone can pick him up now. So they're at risk of losing him. Um, but if they have another injury, I, I or if if Carlos Hyde has to go on injured reserve and, and he needs surgery on that foot. Then, uh, then it wouldn't surprise me if, if Hayne goes back up. And I think they should bring Hayne up. I'm with you guys. He is the editor-in-chief of Niners Digest, covering the 49ers for Scout.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Chris Biederman. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, good stuff from Chris yeah, Biederman, always. as always. You know, there was a, a tweet he sent out, and uh, he mentioned how the, they uh, they don't want to give up the football. And People have, have, have bagged on, and we have been guilty of this on the show, is bagging on the coaching staff. But there's a couple stats, uh, surprising 49ers stats. They average an NFL best 42.9 penalty yards per game, and their average of six penalties per game ranks fourth overall. That's solid. And they're also, they have a pretty good uh, turnover ratio. So those are aspects that you would expect to see in a good team. A winning team, sure. So, but, but then it, what if those things were league average or bad, too? Well, and how how poor would this team look? For me, like the the turnover thing, or the the for me turnovers are are obviously a killer. But at the same time, like we mentioned, the Jared Hain thing. Like I would rather see Hain get out there and rush for eighty yards, you know, and have some very exciting plays. And yeah, maybe he fumbles the ball once, but but you're in a, you're in a football game. You have some exciting plays. You don't have Sean Drone just running it hard up the middle every time. You know, you don't get Gaskins in there just plodding along. You know, you actually have some excitement. You have some oohs and ahs and. And just the way Kaepernick used to not pass into coverage because he didn't want to throw an interception. Like, you have to take chances if you're going to win. You can't keep coming out doing this predictable play calling and expect to, to win in this league. It's just not going to happen. Right. And it's very frustrating. I almost just dropped an F-bomb. I was so frustrated <laughs> with the predictable play calling. I felt the F-bomb through your words. Yeah, you it, was it. it was coming. It was coming. They got the Cardinals this weekend. Why don't we, uh, why don't we give our, our special guest a call here? I like it. All right, he is the Cardinals beat reporter for NBC Sports Radio AM 1060 in Phoenix, Edward Cole. Edward, thank you so much for joining us. 
Gentlemen, thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor to be back on your program again. Hey, Edward, I'm going to have to give you some massive credit right now. When we had you on just after week one, I called Chris Johnson old, and you scoffed at that, and you were right. He's third in the league in rushing, 797 yards. He's 30 years old. This isn't supposed to be happening. Edward, what is his secret? I mean, you would, you would say the same thing about Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald and Dwight Freeney. You would think guys right. like that that are in their 30s, why are they still producing in their 30s? Well, maybe it's because they, when they when guys in their 30s come to the Cardinals, it's something about this organization. It's something about Steve Kime and Bruce Arians and Michael Bidwell and the way they run this organization that gets these older guys re older guys re-energized, like Chris Johnson, like you said, three yards away from 800 yards, only behind Adrian Peterson and Doug Martin. I mean, it's a fantastic story what what Chris Johnson is doing with the Arizona Cardinals, especially him coming in the middle of training camp and not knowing anything about this system. And he's almost on his way to a thousand yards. Right, looking more like uh, Chris Johnson of old than old Chris Johnson. Yes, yeah. I mean, we'd like to have the two thousand yard Chris Johnson. <laughs> CJ two K. The Cardinals would hope. Yeah, yeah. One K ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. But see, there's there's too many weapons on this team. You guys have watched the Cardinals, obviously. You know, obviously oh, yeah. NFC West rival. There's so many weapons. It's it's only one football to get to, to get to guys. And sometimes CJ doesn't get. He he got 18 carries on Sunday night against against Cincinnati because Carson Palmer's got all these weapons he's got to throw to, and there's only so much time and only so many snaps they can get these guys to, which is an embarrassment of riches for what Bruce Arians has. Exactly. That's the first thing I have in my notes here is, is that the the one thing that jumps out when you watch this team, so many playmakers, offense and defense. you got mm-hmm. Fitz, you got both Browns, you got J.J. Nelson, um, and w- when somebody goes down, you've got another guy that can come up and make huge plays. C.J. Arrington, David Johnson on defense, you got Matthew, you got Dan Buchanan, mm-hmm. and there's just so many things that that the the Cardinals can do to another team on both sides of the ball, and it kind of masks one of the things that that you were worried about coming into the season, which is that offensive line. Right. Yeah, yeah, and especially with Mikey Potty going down in, in Seattle last Sunday night, which was a scary thing, and now we're, we're, we're going to see what's going to happen with Jonathan Cooper. If he doesn't go on Sunday against the Niners, are they going to put in Ted Larson? He would most likely start at that right guard position. So we'll see what happens with, with Mikey Potty as he comes back to former 49ers. He makes his, his first trip back there since coming to the Cardinals, which should be an interesting situation in itself. You know, a couple key pieces of that defense got banged up against Cincinnati. Patrick Peterson for Austin Rucker. You got any updates on yeah. where those guys are if they're expected to, to play in Santa Clara? Both of those gentlemen, Peterson and Rucker, are going to be day to day. So we'll see how they go um, starting tomorrow in practice. Um, we'll get an update from uh, from head coach Bruce Arians tomorrow as far as what what Patrick and what Frosty are as far as their health is concerned. But those are two major major pieces, gentlemen, to what the Arizona Cardinals are doing on defense, and they're both ankle injuries. If, if if Patrick doesn't go, then I'm sure they'll put in Justin Bethel, or they'll they'll work they'll work in a situation where they just they just kind of move these guys around with him and Gerard Powers, and maybe Tyron Matthew gets some time out there on the outside. I don't know. He's been so good at that slot corner position. We'll see how that works out. But along the defensive line, they're they're kind of stacked where they are with that. They can bring in Xavier Williams, the rook, the, the the young rookie, the young pup. They can bring him in. They can bring in Ed Stinson like they did on Sunday night to kind of get that rotation going on that front line if Frosty Rucker can't go. You can follow him on Twitter at EDCole43. Edward, I read a pretty impressive stat. Arizona's won four straight. They've now had a similar streak in all three seasons with Bruce Arians. Before Arians arrived, yeah, only four such winning streaks in 25 years. We here as 49er fans, we lost a pretty amazing coach in Jim Harbaugh. So uh, is it, it, do the fans and the, the players, do they know how good they've got it with Arians? 
Oh, absolutely. They love Bruce Arians, and I love covering this man because he shoots it. He shoots it straight from the hip. He tells you how it is. He's real. If the if the Cardinals make it to Santa Clara for the Super Bowl, that week will be incredible as far as media coverage. You guys will <laughs> love Bruce Arians every day. I mean, he's just he's a guy that keeps it real, and the players love him. That he'll praise them when they're good. He'll get on their butts, like he said on Monday. He says he's going to get in there you know what, on Wednesday because of the mistakes that they made. They didn't have a perfect game against Cincinnati. Yeah, they pulled it out 34-31, but there are a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, mistakes, mistakes that they need to clean up if they expect to go to the Super Bowl and be NFC champions. I love Bruce Arians' attitude, man. It just seems really contagious. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His players yeah. seem like they really yeah. want to play for him and has that team playing with no fear. But one thing that I think maybe they should have fear of um, is and if, if the cards start to run away with the NFC West, might we see plans in place to protect Carson Palmer a little bit from injury, maybe sit out Week 17? Well, and Johnson uh, and some of these right, older yeah, players, maybe, Fitzgerald. Yeah, leave some more backs in to even help in pass protection or something down the stretch. Is, is there a plan in place for that? As hard as it is to make Carson Palmer take time off, he's probably going to have to. If they, if they have this thing wrapped up by the time they play Green Bay or by the time they play Seattle – then, of course, I would absolutely not play Carson Palmer. I would not take a chance on having him out there. You would not want your prize bull out there getting hurt over a meaningless game. Right. Even though Seattle, Seattle still it's meaningful because it's the Seahawks, but it's, it would be meaningless because they've already got the division wrapped up. So you would want to sit number three, throw Drew Stanton out there. I mean, heck, even throw Matt Barkley out there. You do not want <laughs> Carson Palmer going down that close to the playoffs when they want to make this championship run, knowing everybody knows that the, um, the, the hourglass is really running out on what Carson Palmer and what Bruce Arians and what everybody is really trying to do with the Cardinals because they know father time is ticking, time is running out. Yeah, you know, you I mentioned agree. Palmer. He, he's leading the league right now in touchdown passes, third in yards. Yeah. He's first in quarterback rating. The, the Cardinals as a whole, first in yards, first in points, 49ers. Last in both of those, kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum right now. At, at, you know, from your your personal perspective, is there a way that the 49ers can beat the Cardinals this weekend? No, <laughs> <laughs> shooting straight from the no. hip, huh, Edward. Wait, let, let me let me let me throw a couple things at you, Edward, first, and and maybe you'll think about that answer. So the 49ers at home are three and two in their five games, only have allowed seventy six points to opponents. Uh, they knocked off the Atlanta Falcons. They were big underdogs there. Close to beating Green ago. Bay, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Yeah. Um, on the road, 0-5, 176 points allowed. So more than mm-hmm. twice as many points allowed on the road. They've played like a different team at home. Gabbert's playing much better in his two games than uh, Colin Kaepernick did. Especially, I mean, it, just if you take away those pick sixes, you know. Right. Uh, that, yeah. that, that first matchup, 47 to, what was it, 47 to 7? 47 to 7, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's close, I mean, close battle. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the pick six to Justin Bethel and the pick six to Tyron Matthew yeah. was the two game changers right off the bat. Oh, I yeah, mean, no early in that game. I mean, Colin Kaepernick looked completely lost, like he didn't know what he was doing. Oh, he looked terrified he was, like, he was, after he was, that. He was, ready, he was ready to get on the bus and come back yeah. to Santa Clara. That's what he, he was, was ready to yeah. do. <laughs> He's like, can I put this hat on? But, can Gabbert go but, in now? Yeah, but boys, let me tell you, I'm looking at the stats from the Seahawks game. I'm going to tell you, this is how the 49ers are going to lose. You look at these stats. You only have 14 first downs. Oh, you yeah. go two for 11 on third down. Your defense gives up 508 yards of offense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You only had the ball for 22 minutes and 21 seconds. That's how the San Francisco 49ers oh, yeah. will lose on Sunday if they duplicate those numbers against the Cardinals because they will absolutely mash them offensively. No doubt I agree. It, we yeah. were talking about this earlier in the show. It's probably the worst defense that we can remember. It's, the tackling was horrid. You got to go game. back to pre Bill Walsh yeah. days when, when someone wrapped yeah. up 209 yards rushing against the 49ers. And, and, you know, it is, and it's so sad because this organization has such great history with championships. 
and so many great guys, head coaches and players that have come through San Francisco and to see the, to see these men three and seven struggling the way they are. I mean, it's sad. I mean, from the Cardinal standpoint, they're not crying any tears, but from a fan standpoint, for me, it's kind of sad to see the San Francisco 49ers fall the way they are. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir here. Right <laughs> Amen, brother. It's, pain, it's painful to watch sometimes on Sunday. He's the Cardinals beat reporter for NBC Sports Radio AM 1060 in Phoenix. Follow him on Twitter at edcole43. Edward, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Ed. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I appreciate it. My honor. My pleasure. Man, he's a hoot. <laughs> Great guy, that Edward. He's, he gets so excited about his Arizona Cardinals, I, and right now I cannot blame him. How can you not they're be? They're fun to watch. They are. It hurts to say that as a 49er really fan, well. but, I mean, Carson Palmer's playing. I, he's just never played better. I mean, if with what Tom Brady's losing right now in New England, too, just player after player going down, I mean, Carson Palmer is going to quickly be the front runner for the MVP, right? Yeah. Really, It was really cool to see him play against the ex his ex-team yeah, and the Bengals, you know, and it was. Just, it was like a little shaky to start uh-huh. and then to come back and win that game. Yeah, the nerves I mean, overcame him a little bit there. I don't like seeing the, the Cardinals do well necessarily, obviously, because yeah. they're a rival, right. but um, they're they're playing well right now. I don't know I don't know if there's any team on paper that I would say can definitely beat them. No. And you know what's interesting? They play super well, too, in Phoenix, too. It's it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. You know what's really interesting about the NFL this year? It's It's been, you know, it's all this talk about parity, but... Right now, it's kind of the haves and the have-nots. There's it a is. lot of bad teams and, and and just a few really good teams that are yeah. that are kind of running away with things. You're in right. Almost every division. You look and at that playoff uh, list too. You know, it's like the wild cards have almost. A, I think they have a two-game lead as well over over everyone else in both divisions. It may only be one uh, in the AFC or something. But mm-hmm. I, when I was looking at, it, I'm like, wow, look at that. There's there's not a whole lot of uh, teams who have a chance here in, in the AF. Like the you know they do the playoff hunt on the right. And it was like a lot of like four and six or four, you know like a, a lot of under five hundred teams. Yeah, there's those teams where just about anything could happen. Right, right. Only nine teams in the NFL are over five hundred right now. That's not good. Yeah. That's not good at all. And you know we we obviously got the playoff hopes out of the way a couple weeks ago, um, and now it's just all about winning small battles, right? So you, you want to go yeah. ahead and you want to beat Arizona this week. You want to make up for that. That shellacking that we took in Arizona back in week two. That's right. You want to play spoiler, and you want to because you got them at home now, and you mm-hmm. want to at least just say, "Look, we that's not it. Ain't going to play like right. That. This is our building. Don't come in here and, and you know push us around." Although you know, to be completely honest with you, probably going to happen. I you, it's hard to predict a win at this point w- with any game, but th- there are some winnable games ahead with the 49ers. But this one, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the line is in Vegas right now, the early week line. But um, yeah. It's it's going to be a tough battle, and I and I agree with with Biederman, who's who said it can be a lot closer than a lot of people think. And I hope so. I hope that I, I'm way off on this, but you know, watching the Seattle with their horrible offensive line just push us around all game long, and now we got to go to, up against Arizona with the league's top offense. Like, oh man, good they, luck. Yeah, you got to want to see them come out strong, come out sure. angry. Need some I turnovers think, too. Obviously, yeah. you just don't see those anymore. On either side of the ball. And no, obviously we don't want to give up the ball, but yeah, just not seeing a whole lot of turnovers made. The defense needs, needs to make some plays. Make some plays. I want to see Jared Haynes suit up. I want to see, see that too. I, I want to see a lot of things happen. You know, you know what I really want to see this weekend? Oh, the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders in those <laughs> black outfits, I can right? tell by the smile on your face that you're that, okay. The cheerleaders. Yep. Oh, man. Those Catwoman outfits, catwoman. man. Yeah. yeah, they were good luck. Let's see if maybe they can bring it again. That's right. You know, before we, we got on here tonight, I, I was, you know, scouring the, the internet, the interweb as I always do. And Dave Fuccillo, Niners Nation, had a pretty interesting article that he threw up there. It was 
about a show called This Week in Startups. It, it aired a couple weeks ago, and the, the host did some Q&A with CEO Jed York. And it wasn't just about football. You know, it was about legalized gambling, this and that. He, he, and he also talked about marijuana. And for me, like, medicinally, it's in 20 to 30 states, right? I mean, that that's something big. Well, when Jed York talked about it, he said, when I look at it, especially our players and players in all professional sports, is it healthier to smoke a joint after a game to kind of calm down, relax yourself, or to drink a case of beer? You know, when you really look at those two things, like one's legal and one one really is you get suspended from the NFL if you do it. But, you know, which, which one's really worse for you? He says, which is healthier for you? What's better for you? And I think it poses a great question. It's absolutely a question that should be asked. And, and the answer is not super easy there. But, I mean, obviously there's multiple levels to this. And then in some po- in some cases – it is illegal to drink alcohol in the NFL once you've been hit with something, and then a Johnny you know, Manziel kind yeah. of situation. Well, Manziel's not even ever been suspended or, no. or hit with a uh, yeah league sanctions, but it's enough to get you know his dad is reprimanding him. You know what I mean? It's, right. It's that kind of a situation. But and, I uh, actually read an interesting thing from Manziel too. Obviously, he's named the starter, you know, and then they have pictures of him partying or video, and so they say, "Oh, well, your bench, your third string now." And he came out and, and he said, "I don't have a drinking problem. The Browns have a problem with me drinking." Right. There's a big difference. <laughs> There's a huge yeah. difference. <laughs> right. And uh, Josh Gordon, he's yes. gone for a year right now because he literally – Because he had, likes marijuana. No, but he got, he got hit for thing. drinking. The so, DUI, yeah, but yeah. But he could have – no, it wasn't even a DUI. He just tested positive. for. So like he That could, was it, he huh? Because he was in had, the substance abuse program? Or right. He's in, he's in the program, right? Wow. So you get, tested, you get opened up for, for drinking as well. And he literally could have had one cocktail, one beer, yeah. and pop. You're could, done for a year. What if he took some NyQuil? And that's what got him. Like <laughs> It's crazy. And, yeah, so they got to really figure out what they're looking at. And, yeah. and a guy like Greg Hardy's has a job right now, and Josh Gordon doesn't. It just doesn't seem right to yeah. me. Yeah, we could open up a whole Pandora's box with right. that conversation. Right. But marijuana, they, number one question, why are they testing for it, period? Right. It's in legal my, in certain states. Even, yeah. you know, I was listening to, to Bill Maher on, on Friday, and he had Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom on there, and he's talking about that. he's going to, yeah, he's going to run for governor in 2018, and he's going to strongly push to legalize marijuana in California, as it should be. You know, put a tax on it. If you're going to have alcohol legal, come on, you got to have marijuana legal. It just, it just right. makes sense. I, well, I don't want to get political with this show, but it's just insane. Like, what are you arguing for? I think what what I really think it comes down to is I feel like alcohol is a much more social drug than marijuana where you're, you're, when you, when you get high, you see people, they just smile and they giggle. (laughs) Whereas when you're drunk, you're loud, you're boisterous, you're out, you're having fun with friends at a bar, you're buying drinks, you're dancing, you know? And, and so to me, I think it has a lot to do with that. And a lot of it's smoking factor. Obviously, if you drink a beer, your friend next to you doesn't get drunk. That's very true. That's very true. But then you go and you drive your friend home and then, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So let's get off the political thing. Let's get back into football. Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Do you, where you at on gun control? (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, please don't answer that question. <laughs> Who do you think should win the Iowa caucus this year? <laughs> okay, but seriously, Cardinals, I, I, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared to watch on Sunday. I'm excited because are there's you? your, th- these are those games that, that you're expected to lose. So what the hell? Go out there and beat them, you know? Right. Go out there. You have nothing to lose. The 49ers lose by three touchdowns. Oh, they were supposed to. Yeah. You go make it close. Oh, it was a good game. You go beat them. It's like, yeah, there you go. You know, Just you like mentioned, the Falcons. You mentioned the losing by three touchdowns. During that press conference, Tom Sula was asked, you know, do you care how many points you lose by? He's like, hell no. Hell no. But then those words just totally contradict what you just said before that when you're like, oh, we're not going to get down three scores. Well, yeah. Well, if you're not within enough points to tie the game, right. then 
you need to do something about the point differential, right? Kick them the ball, right? <laughs> if you're give, down, give them the ball you when you're down, down two by scores. fewer than three touchdowns aye, aye, aye. to tie the game or have the lead. So yeah, I don't know. Follow him at BD Peacock right. on Twitter. Follow me at Barry Wink. Follow both of us on Instagram. It's at Gold Faithful Podcast. Uh, anything else you you want to pimp out? The phone number? You want people to call us? Uh, the phone number, yeah. Give we, us a call. We, we took a week a off, so we didn't get any real calls. That's right. Unfortunately. Uh, 415-858-0094 is the number. You can uh, text that number. You can call and leave a message. Leave let a us rant. know how you feel. Ask it doesn't really something. matter what you say. Just call and let us know you're listening to the show. You can call us and uh, give us a hot take. Scorch it. There you go. Love to hear from you. Absolutely. And I guess that's it. We'll talk to you uh, next week after a big upset victory. Hey-o! See ya! (laughs) (laughs) Nicholas Winkler, come on!